Welcome back to Cloud and Fire. I'm your host, Jamie Crumley. Today we conclude season two of Cloud and Fire, which has been all about the theme of peace, how we can find peace in ourselves, mind, body, and spirit. And today we turn to the topic of food. In the midst of the pandemic, many of us struggled with how to fuel our bodies. How do we get ourselves back on track? How do we remind ourselves that God loves us as we are? How do we remind ourselves that the decisions that we make about things like food are not good or bad, but that they are the decisions that we make to fuel our bodies and to find our way forward? Without further ado, let's get into the conversation for today. Listeners, I'm going to begin with a reflection from the gospel according to Luke chapter 24. I will read verses 36 through 43. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see here that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Friends, our guest today is Abigail Sykes. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She has an MS in nutrition and health promotion and a certificate in sports nutrition from Simmons College, which is in Boston, Mass. Abigail also works with children, teens, and adults in a variety of settings from public schools and the YMCA to in-home or virtual sessions. One of her recent projects in the last few years has been the development and implementation of Hooray for Health, which is a hands-on nutrition and health education program for elementary students. She also teaches healthy weight loss classes for adults at the YMCA of the North Shore and meets with clients individually. So hello, Abby. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cloud and Fire. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Abby, first of all, I would love to hear a little bit more about your work. It sounds like you kind of work with all ages. So how did you get into this work? And can you give us a little bit more information about what you do? It's kind of a long story. First, nutrition was not something that I knew. I was kind of always jealous of people that knew exactly what they wanted to do when they were older. And it took me a while to find nutrition. Honestly, I was in another program. I was in a master's program for religious studies and we're overseas. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know what I want to do, but it's definitely not this. This is not the right place for me and came back. And that's when I really started getting into nutrition slowly. And I started taking some classes at a community college and, and then transferred to Simmons. And what I really love about nutrition is it's so basic on one hand. I mean, every single person needs to eat. We need to eat. And most of us know, you know, this is what we should be eating more fruits and vegetables and moving our bodies more and all these things. We know basic nutrition. A lot of us do. 
but on this at the same time it can be so complicated because food is associated with so many different emotions i mean food is love food is reward food is how we deal with boredom you know it, it's so common to on a stressful day or i've had a hard day i'm just going to go home and i'm going to grab that pint of ice cream and i'm just going to eat i'm going to kind of tune out a little bit and so it gets really complicated and having that relationship, a positive, peaceful relationship with food and approaching food as a source of satisfaction, but also being able to get the nourishment we need is for a lot of people, it's really hard and it's, um, it's just not the case. So what is it? I think I was fascinated in what is it about our culture that makes it so difficult and why do so many people struggle with this? So I started, I did more work it was schools I, during my internship as a dietitian, I worked or had a rotation in the public schools. And so then I started working with a lot of different public schools. This is right when a lot of the new federal lunch guidelines were coming out with Michelle Obama's program. And so helping them reset and make sure that their lunch programs were all set. And then from there started the Hooray for Health program. It actually started, it's at the school where my kids are, and that has continued over the last, I think we're on four years now with that program. And then a couple years ago, started working at the YMCA, mostly teaching the healthy weight loss classes there, which I think is great because I teach it with a personal trainer. So getting their perspective and combining nutrition and physical fitness is makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it's such a comprehensive class that so we talk about everything from mindful eating to stress and sleep and how all these things kind of impact our health. And, and that is one thing that I really see. I think if when we try to take nutrition and just focus on it uh, by itself, you know, uh, I'm just going to do this with my diet and then everything else will take, you know, that's all I, I'm going to focus on. And we isolate it when we miss out on the bigger picture, because really nutrition is just one piece of the puzzle and everything, our mental health, our spiritual health, our physical health, they're all connected. And we really need to see it as part of the whole. And I think when we do that, then we're able to actually take and make real progress. Thank you for sharing more about your journey and about Hooray for Health. I love that name. <laughs> so can you, I mean, and I, I think, thank you for kind of contextualizing that within all that was happening. I guess that was now, oh my goodness. Okay, I, I feel like the, the Obama administration was yesterday. It was not. <laughs> it's been over for a bit. But contextualizing that when schools were trying to make changes um, around mm -hmm. health. can So can you talk a little bit more about that process? Like how do we teach even from a young age, maybe not diet culture, but these are healthy things to put into your body. This is how you can enjoy health. I mean, I love the name Hooray for Health. So can you just talk more about how we can work with kids to really get them started off on the right foot in terms of nutrition? I think a lot of it is having a really positive attitude and exploring one part of the program that we always do every year with Hooray for Health is we have these really, these fresh vegetables that are donated. And we, I talk with the kids about really exploring the food. This is not about, you know, deciding right away, do I like it? Do I not like it? How do I, you know, am I scared of it? I feel like I encounter so many kids are, are nervous around new foods. They're quote unquote, picky eaters. And I understand it. So kind of meeting them at that level and saying, okay, it's okay if you don't like it. I'm not going to force you to eat it, but let's explore it. Tell me about it. Let's describe it. Let's smell it. 
not this year, but in most years we have these uh, one activity is called mystery bags. So we have, you know, they're partnered up and there's different senses on the different bags and they have to, let's say, if I have a bag that's labeled here, one person is blindfolded, the other partner has to take whatever's in there, for instance, like a carrot and try to crack it and they have to use their hear, their ears, their listening um, to see if they can figure out and guess what that food or vegetable is in that bag. So really trying to get them to experience food uh, is one, I think really important thing and, and engage with it. And just to see, oh, did anything surprise you and kind of, you know, opening their eyes a little bit, but also making very clear that there's not, I don't like to say that there's good and bad foods. I think that in our culture, we have, you know, this, oh, if I eat this, then I, I'm really bad. And then you can start internalizing it and then make it seem like, oh, maybe I'm a bad person. I'm not doing the right, I'm not eating how I'm supposed to eating. And so we also talk about how different foods can give us energy that lasts. So we can stay out there longer. We can run longer when we're running around on the playground. We can do these things. We can focus better in school, but it's not about shaming or making kids feel bad because they're not doing something it's, um, or that they don't look a certain way. It's about kind of at the same time celebrating all our differences and how we have different likes and, and dislikes and we all look different and, and we're supposed to look different. We're not all supposed to have one, you know, the same body type but encouraging them, you know, like also at the same time, let's get out of our comfort zone a little bit. Let's try something. Let's see what else we can do. I love that. And I think it, it, it also fits into like a Christian theological principle, mm. right? That, that God didn't come to shame us. God came to like help us and help us to know that we are loved and we are already good. Um, and there are a set of decisions that we can make, but we are already good and we are loved regardless of the set of decisions that we make in this life. So I love it that you're already teaching them at a young age to feel empowered. If you have a piece of cake mm -hmm. today, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you need to go hide somewhere. Maybe we can try something new tomorrow. Like it's, it's, it's all good. So earlier I read this passage from the gospel of Luke and from, this is from the time uh, just to contextualize this after Jesus has risen. So we knew, we knew that he was crucified and his friends are kind of freaking out in this passage because <laughs> they can't believe that their friend who they knew had died is walking up to them and talking with them. And Jesus is having this really embodied experience with them during this past year plus right now, like nearly 15 months, we we've gone through so many traumas, big and small in our lives. And a lot of those traumas have been felt physically some of the people who are listening to this might be people who were nursing to help people who had COVID-19, people who themselves had COVID-19, not to mention a whole variety of other illnesses that didn't go away just because there was COVID-19, unfortunately. Uh, and of course, a lot of us have struggled with, you know, as you said earlier, emotional eating and weight gain or weight loss because we were stressed or, you know, maybe we ate more, maybe we ate less. Um, we've also been grappling with this. And this is a time when we really in the scripture see Jesus really grappling with what it means to live in a body that is not what it once was. So what kind of advice can you give us after this, you know, more than a year now, 
of real trauma and not being able for many of us to take care of our bodies in the ways that we might have in the past. What's your advice for us as we move forward? That's such a great question. And I feel like it is such an important one as we think about what this past year has meant and what we've had to go through. And the, like you mentioned the stress and the, everything was turned upside down. Um, and I think the really important first step is to acknowledge that. I think also I'm hearing so much and many of the clients that I'm working with uh, now is there's this initial focus on, oh my goodness, I can't believe I gained 15 pounds. Like what is wrong with me? And, you know, it turns really inward. And what I think is so important to remember is to take a step back. And first of all, let's reflect and not diminish the intensity of this year. Like it has been a really hard year. And, you know, all of our normal ways of being able to cope with stress in most cases have been taken away or we've had to reconfigure um, about every detail. And along with that, I think it's really important to remember um, and to appreciate how amazing our bodies are. So if you think about it, our bodies are really designed to survive. They're designed to survive in times of food shortages, they're of times of intense stress and your bodies are working with us, even though it seems like they're working against us. So what I like to remind my clients is naturally um, weight gain in times of intense stress is actually a normal thing. And this is our bodies working to adapt, to protect, to make sure that we make it on, that we make it through this time. And so also a reminder that it is not a moral failing. If we think like, oh man, my jeans don't fit anymore. It is not because you failed. Your worth is much more than your weight or how much weight you have gained in the past year or not. Um, you know, kind of as we're, if we just focus on how much we've gained and, and how we don't feel as healthy as we did maybe, you know, last February of 2020, um, then we kind of miss the bigger picture and we miss all that we've had to go through. And so I think that that lens of self-compassion and understanding is really crucial as we move forward and as we take steps. And even now as things are starting to open up and some things are going back to normal, quote unquote, we still have to, it's not exactly the way it was before. So we still have a lot to figure out and what do we feel safe and what don't we feel safe doing right now? And, and what can I do? What's actually in my control and what is still really much with outside of my control at this point. One thing I didn't ask you, how have you been? I, I know you talked to us a bit about how you've still been managing to work when you can with the elementary school. I know you you told me that you've been doing some pre-recording and, you know, now that you all have started to get back together in person, you know, some socially distance, you know, this kid has that bag over there, that kid has that bag over there. Um, how have you been working with your adult clients and have you still been working with the YMCA in the past year? Um, so I, for a while, they just kind of paused everything at the YMCA. And then 
at the towards the end of the year, they let go, let me go, and they let go most of um, their non-essential employers. And it was it was very difficult. I felt like even though I wasn't for a while, I wasn't um, actively working. I felt like I still was part of that community. And then all of a sudden, it kind of fell out of the blue. I got this email saying, "Oh, you're no longer employed." And so it it was uh, that was really challenging. Um, however, I am really grateful that they have now brought nutrition back and they have started these classes. So the healthy weight loss classes have recently started again. And I've seen a couple clients online. Um, and right now for the healthy weight loss classes anyway, where the nutrition section is all online. So we meet as a group. Um, one, one of those classes they prefer to meet in person. So we're meeting in person. So it, most of them, most of my teaching has been online recently, but some in person, which has been working well at, at first. You know, if you would have asked me last year, what do you think about teaching these nutrition classes online? I would have been like, no, no thanks, <laughs> because it's so discussion based. And I feel like it's really hard to sometimes have people feel comfortable sharing, and especially if it's a sensitive or vulnerable topic, uh, but it's been working out really well so far. Oh, that's great. So that sounds like it was a very up and down year for you, which it was for a lot of people I know professionally, businesses not being able to kind of pay people long-term. And, you know, it's unfortunate because I agree with the phrase essential worker in terms of, you know, I know that there are healthcare workers who are really on the front line and really needed to be there with people in person. And at the same time, just hearing you describe your work and the kind of impact it has on people, how people feel about themselves as human beings. Uh, Cause you know, we're eating all the time. We're putting things, you know, hopefully we're eating all the time. <laughs> we're putting things into our bodies. We are moving our bodies and what's happening, um, you know on that everyday level it can impact, you know, whether or not we fall into the kind of larger health issues where we have to be in the hospital. So I think it's a little bit sad in a lot of ways that there had to be all of these kind of cutbacks because things like, you know, the arts are essential. I think, you know, I, you know, I know a lot of artists, for yeah. example, lost their, you know, whatever positions that they had. And it's like, well, the arts are essential and taking care of our bodies on that everyday level and getting people who are so good at teaching us how to take care of our bodies every day. Like that is essential. So I'm glad that they've been able to kind of transition into an online model. And hopefully that's mm -hmm. something that'll be able to kind of continue into future. Um, that you'll be able to maybe have something hybrid where people can right. talk to you online, yes. but you can also meet with people in person. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. um, right before we started recording, I was telling you, you know, of course I live in Los Angeles, California, and there's a certain culture here, definitely around bodies, <laughs> which is, I would say both classed and racialized. Uh, so for example, when I go see my hairstylist, she works with a lot of celebrities, mostly black celebrities um, and models. And so for her, I'm learning that she doesn't feel that she's curvy enough. So, you know, she's, you know, she's had <laughs> different surgeries to make this skinnier and make this bigger and you know, <laughs> all of that kind of thing to keep up with kind of the body culture of the people mm -hmm. who she's around, which are mostly these mm -hmm. like gorgeous, full figured models. 
Um, and that's influenced the way that she thinks about her own body and, you know, what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that, right? And then on the other hand, you know, more on the west side of Los Angeles where UCLA is, is more of the kind of California fit girl, um, which is not as thin as it is, you know, in places like New York City, places like that, I imagine, are even tougher in terms of the kind of ideal body type. Um, when I've been on the East Coast, I know it's a little thinner over there. <laughs> but it's like this very you know, healthy and strong, but still quite slender um, body type that's really idealized. Um, during this, se- this season of Cloud and Fire, we are talking about this phrase that comes up in this scripture, which Jesus says to his disciples, which is peace be with you. And so how do we find peace in these bodies? Because I think the standards for attractive bodies definitely varies. Uh, when it comes to race, when it comes to culture, I, I know there's so much baggage there where this is the beautiful body in this race or culture, and that's the beautiful body in this race or culture. How can we just find peace <laughs> in whatever body it is that God has given us? It's such a great question. And I feel like it's all around us all the time. Like you mentioned there, we are getting we get messages that say, this is how we need to look. If we're going to have value in society, if we're going to have, you know, have a voice or be respected, we need to look in this certain way, whatever that is. And it, and it varies by region, by culture. And yet for so many people, that particular very specific model is just not attainable. In the Book Evelyn Triboli and Elsie Reich from who wrote the intuitive eating model and came up with that. And they compare, you know, if we're trying to fit our body size into, you know, this one like cookie cutter shape, this particular shape, it's kind of like asking someone who has a size nine shoe to fit their foot into a size six shoe. I mean, that's just not going to happen. And if you try, it's going to be very painful. And how often do we, maybe someone who has a higher normal body weight tries to, you know, tries so many different things without success. I mean, you're to fit into this size six shoe. Um, And I think when we are so focused, it's so easy to be so focused on what other people look like. Oh, they're looking like this. I need to look like that. I really respect what they, how they look and their career or whatever it is and that we want to implement and think that we need to as well. And But we miss in that, we kind of miss that internal voice of what's going on. A lot of the things that I teach my clients is learning to listen again to those hunger fullness cues and they're they're very subtle and so for so many years many of us have been kind of shutting off those cues because mm-hmm. we're afraid of hunger or we're afraid of feeling full we're not supposed to feel that way we're not supposed to feel you know satisfaction oh we ate something that we really enjoyed now you know so many of us feel like oh I'm really bad now tomorrow I'm going to go spend an hour working out or, you know, extra because I ate some delicious cookies the day before, or, you know, it's kind of, we have this external focus and that it really comes from this 
diet mentality that is really coming at us and being brainwashing us from a really early day, early age. I mean, and it's it's kind of taking us and we don't even realize how we've been influenced by this diet culture thinking that, you know, we need to do this. And if we don't look this way, then we need to try this. We need to really restrict our eating. We need to exercise seven days a week and whatever it is and kind of the extreme, but we miss then and we're not in tune with what is actually right for our bodies. And I think the beauty of that, and when we learn to listen to those subtle voices of hunger and fullness, and we learn to read, oh, what am I actually hungry for? What am I really hungry for? And we learn to trust our bodies and the wisdom that they have for us. We can come to a much more peaceful relationship and one where, you know, food kind of finds its appropriate place. So we're not worrying about food and we're not stressing out about food. You know, food is, we spend some time thinking about how we can nourish our bodies, but it's not taking up so many hours. I mean, there's there's only so much mental energy that we have. And if we're so focused on analyzing, oh man, how many carbs does this meal have? How many, how much grams of protein? What am I missing? I had one client, you know, that was so focused, detailed, everything, wrote down every single thing that she would put into her mouth. And then, you know, she found, she realized things were just, she just wasn't where she wanted to be because at 10 o'clock at night, one night, she was just standing in her kitchen eating turkey rolls because she's like, I didn't fin fill my, the number of calories I needed for the day. And, and she's like, wait, there's something wrong. I'm not hungry, but I feel like I need to eat these turkey roll-ups at 10 o'clock at night while standing in my kitchen and everybody else is in bed. What am I doing? Like, what is wrong with this? And I think the more that we can get, like, get back into being present in our bodies and yes, they are imperfect, but being there and to being willing, um, coming from this place of love and self-compassion and respecting what we, we find out. And most of the time, if we've been on diets for many, many years, you're going to run into, um, you probably have felt very deprived of certain things. So yes, if you have not allowed yourself to eat, let's say brownies at all, because you've labeled them as bad. If once you start giving yourself permission to eat brownies or whatever that may be, there's a good chance that you will overeat them at the beginning because your body is kind of making up for years or however long of being deprived of some of these foods. But as you know, time goes on and you respect and trust your body and move on, you find out that in general, our bodies want a variety of food. Sometimes I really want chocolate and I will try to listen, but I, you know, I find that as if when I listen and respect my body, I don't feel like I need to eat a lot because I know that should I want it the next day, I will be able to have some, but I feel content with a lot less than what I used to. And then other days I really want kale or beans. And so it, it really is, if I'm when I listen to what my body is really wanting, it is a whole cycle. It's not only sweets or chips or, or whatever. It, it really is a, a full cycle. And I think it's, it's been years of working on this and 
respecting and also picking out, you know, well, I'll see, maybe I'm watching something on TV and someone is portrayed as not taking care of their health or not caring about their health and they're eating some sort of food and other people, you know, it's very subtle. And um, I'll begin to, sometimes I'll start, I start feeling bad, like, oh man, I really like that food too. What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, do I not really care for my health? What kind of dietitian am I? And then I'll stop and think, wait a minute, is that true? No, not at all. So these messages that we get constantly, uh, I think we have to be aware and to, to realize them and to approach with kindness and to kind of um, move forward with that. So last March, this was at the beginning. This is, um, I think, one of the most dramatic times that I had, you know, grocery stores, even going to the grocery store was a really stressful experience. So this is, I was ready to go. Uh, the week before was just a terrible experience in the grocery store. But this time I was like, you know what? I'm going in. I have my list. This will be fine. I can do this. This is just going to the grocery store. So as soon as I walk in, I, you know, I felt my shoulders start to creep up. I felt so tense and I just, I went and grabbed everything off my list. And then I get towards the end and I look at my cart and I'm like, oh my, what's going on? I noticed I have you know, a baguette, I have bagels, I have donuts, and I have like five different bags of chips. And so I stopped and I paused and I was like, oh, huh, that's interesting. I noticed what's going on. Uh, so trying to take this neutral observer, I'm like, oh, what's, what is happening here? And then I paused, I started, you know, to go down that critical voice. And then I said, you know what? Am I stressed about the world and about everything right now? Absolutely. Does it make sense that I am feeling that way? Absolutely. Okay, so now that I acknowledge that, is there anything I want to change or do differently right now? Do I still want to buy everything? Hmm, maybe not. I took the bagels out and put them back on the shelf, but everything else I, I bought and I brought home. So I made that commitment to myself okay, I'm going to buy this food because it feels really comforting to me right now. But my promise is when I eat it, I'm going to make sure that I sit down and I really am present and enjoy it. So that night, what did I have for supper? Pretty much I only had a big piece of garlic bread, like buttery garlic bread, and it was dipped in sauce. And it was so delicious. And to this day, I remember it because... I gave myself permission. I did it intentionally. I said, I really want this. I'm feeling really stressed right now. Things are really crazy and I don't know what's going ha to happen. Everything's out of my control, but I sat down and for dinner, that's what we had. We had garlic bread. And still, when I think of it, I think of that warm, crusty bread, the smell of it, how it made me feel inside. And it was such a satisfying, comforting experience that I was really happy that I was able to, to pause. And you know what? I'm going to sit down and really enjoy this. I'm going to intentionally choose to eat this baguette right now, this garlic bread. I love that story. I love imagining your family sitting around the table for dinner at the beginning of a pandemic, not knowing what's going on. And you're like, you know what we can choose? We can choose to decide to sit here as a family at the table and eat something that's going to make us happy. 
together. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That is really a beautiful story. Abby, I'm so glad that you are working with young people. I, you know, I, I love what you were saying about the images that we get about our bodies at a very young age, because, you know, I remember not so much elementary school, but certainly by the time we got to sixth grade and girls' bodies definitely start to change by that point. Boys do too, but I think girls face so much criticism. You know, I remember the dress code and this girl, because she's tiny, if she wears that skirt, it's going to come down to her knees and it's going to cover her properly and all of that. And that girl over there, because she's already, you know, gotten her height (laughs) like a young adult. And, you know, she's already started to put on a little bit of the weight that, you know, women naturally have, you know, she's told that she's not following the dress code. And literally these two girls both shopped at the same store and purchased pretty much the exact same skirt but this girl is in trouble and this girl is not. And it already gets us in that mode of self-criticism. She can wear that and I can't, which means that there's something wrong with my body. Her body is, is the right body to be wearing that and mine is not. And I remember that already starting, you know, like I said, like I feel like around sixth grade, especially, you know, around that time that we started to hit puberty and this girl, you know, and even the smaller girl, cause I was always one of the smaller kids. And even I would feel very self-conscious because I would say, well, why is my body not maturing at the same rate? You know, so no matter what side of that spectrum you're on or somewhere in the middle, I just remember as girls, we all felt like really bad (laughs) about wherever Mm -hmm. it is that we were, right? And always compared Mm -hmm. to every other girl in our lives. And so I'm really glad that, you know, you're working with kids and really teaching them. We don't all have to look the same. We don't all have to be the same. You're fine as you are, because I think that's a message all of us need throughout our lives. But if the Mm -hmm. earlier we can get it, I think that's really powerful. And then the other thing I noticed about what you said is I, I actually really do like reality TV. No matter which ones of these shows we watch, we do tend to get these messages about what, even just based on who's cast, right? Like, who has an ideal body and who doesn't. And so when you were giving the example of not putting a size nine foot into a size six shoe, it just reminded me that when I was in middle school, the hit show that came out, you know, and was a hit throughout high school and college was America's Next Top Model. And like you said, you know, when we're sitting here watching these shows where people are being told, oh, you really need to tone up more. Or, oh, you really shouldn't, like, all she does is sit around and eat chips. That's awful. And you're sitting there eating your chips, watching. (laughs) It just has you internalize, you know, these images. And then even, like I said, with America's Next Top Model, it was one of my favorites. But now watching as an adult, I have to kind of look at it a little bit askance. Because there are things where they would tell you, well, if you want to be a model, you need to be this height, you know, like, dragging girls about their height. Like, it's like, well, that's the height she is. Her height isn't going to change. And you need to stuff your sh- your foot into whatever shoe they give you. So I think like to your point, I, I completely agree with your point that we wouldn't try to put our, put our foot in another size shoe. And at the same time, we kind of get this message that I should wear a different size shoe than I do. And right. I should be a different height than I am. You know, it's one of my running jokes that God just accidentally made me three inches shorter than I was supposed to be. So when I put on my high heels, it's just God bringing me up to my natural height. But that is also, I realize, you know, in conversations like these, that's also me internalizing, having watched shows like that, where the standard of beauty was 5'8", 120 pounds, which is not a normal size for Mm -hmm. a human person who is an adult. Mm -hmm. That's not typical. 
I, but that was always heralded as the standard of beauty. And I saw that from the time I was in middle school. So I love it that, you know, people like you are helping to really come in and talk to people and help them <laughs> to find another, another way. Do you yeah. find that your clients are impacted by things like that? Like, do you find like things like TV Absolutely. and. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's everywhere. If you, one assignment that I like to have clients do is kind of, okay, so for the next, over the next week, let's see, find an example of the diet mentality of this, or, you know, where messages that are telling you to look a certain way, or to, you know, these external rules about eating, and find it, because they're all around, point it out, and then also tell me or notice, be aware of how do you feel when you encounter that message? You know, sometimes it's even just this thing on a cereal box and it's telling me, you know, oh, this is bran flakes. And it's telling me that I need this to be healthy. And so, you know, my initial reaction is I don't want to eat that then because, you know, it's like somebody else telling me what to do. Do not tell me what to do. But then, you know, thinking, oh, so that was my initial reaction. Now that I'm aware, do I still want to eat these? Yes, because I enjoy them, um, you know, or flipping through a magazine and you see, or going on social media and you, or, or wherever you see these before and after pictures. And, you know, mm -hmm. I tried this diet and then I look like this and now I look like that. And it really sets us up for comparison. And I think when we're so focused on other people or where we think we should be, we kind of lose ourselves and we it takes energy away from what we can bring to the world and how we can make it a better place because we're so focused on where we're not enough and we're not good enough we're not pretty enough we're not tall enough we're not skinny enough whatever it is and that's really sad and so in working with both kids and adults I really want to help them say you know what you are enough as you are, you have so much value and worth and the world really needs you. We need you. And so let's work on some of these things so we don't feel so bad about ourselves, so critical. And let's form and work on that peaceful relationship with food so we can go out and make the world a better place. I could talk to you all day, but we need to end <laughs> right there. You are enough. You have value just the way that you are and you can make the world a great place just exactly as you are. I think that's a beautiful message for us to leave with today. Abby, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. If folks want to learn more about the things you've been talking to us about or to learn more about your work, where can they do that? Follow me on Instagram. I'm not on there all that much, but, or on my website, which is empowered-eaters.com. So thank you so much for having me today, Jamie. It's been a pleasure and I well, hope we can talk again soon. Definitely. Thank you so much, Abby. And that'll do it for Cloud and Fire Season 2. Peace be with you. Thank you for listening not only to this episode, but to this entire season of Cloud and Fire. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you liked it, share it with a friend. Cloud and Fire is a production of the First Baptist Church in Beverly, Massachusetts. Our theme music is by Rebecca Silva. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cloud and Fire Pod. Until season three, be well and get home 
safely. <laughs>